0: Good Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to the Ballquest.com podcast with Jesse Simonson, Rob Lewis, and Austin Price. I'm Brent Hubs. Glad to have you along with us on this Tuesday. Lots to get to. We'll start obviously in recruiting, final week, final stretch. Jeremy Pruitt with a couple of in homes left to get. Where's this thing stand? Let's let's start first with with the one everybody wants to ask about. That's Zach Evans.
1: Oh, not the McConkie kid? I thought that's who everyone talked about. Right, we'll get to McConkie in a
0: minute. <laughs> let's talk about Zach Evans because he's on the board. Everybody's asking about McConkie too. We'll give you an update there. But let's start with the five-star that everybody has on their mind.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, I put on the board yesterday, and we talked about it in the chat. I, yeah, I think Tennessee's got a real shot here. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, it'll be interesting to see what he does this weekend. I'm not so sure he visits Georgia this weekend at this point. I think there's a real chance, and I posted this, you know, Yesterday morning, you know that that he may take a, a visit out of conference. Um, come Cal. this weekend, yeah, Southern Cal. Yeah, I wouldn't mind. I'd watch, you know, potentially watch Oregon too. Either one. Um, Florida, Florida State's out. You know, they yeah, were they're they're in,
0: they're they're in, in it. they they in it ten days ago. They're not an out of conference potential visitor. Yeah,
1: really. I, d- I don't see them visiting Florida State. I think it's probably to the West Coast. I think this is gonna come down to Tennessee and Ole Miss. I really do. I'm not. You know. I'm not 100% willing to say is out, but it, it sure seems like things are trending that way. And so, um, you know, it, to me, it's, it's, it could be Tennessee or Ole Miss for this one. And uh, like I said, Tennessee did a really nice job with him this weekend and, and talking to a couple of different people. The kid just had a good time. It was, it was a laid-back visit. He had fun. Um, there was not pressure to, you know, come here. It was just kind of getting to know people, getting to know Pruitt, getting to know Chaney. Getting to see their vision for things, and uh, how
0: big of a deal is it that he didn't get to know a running backs coach?
1: I, I think that that matters, but I don't think it's the end all, be all. Because I, again, I think it would be you know uh, erroneous to think that Jeremy Pruitt hadn't told Zach Evans kind of his vision for who he wants to hire. So um, you know, while
0: but but that's that might be as reliable as where Zach Evans is going to visit yeah, this weekend. I, I, I mean it, that thing's all. I mean, I get what you're saying, but but. You, you know, know he's a hater. the the Who big, knows? The,
2: big, the biggest thing, the biggest uh-huh. take, the biggest takeaway from the weekend is that Tennessee, I think, is now firmly in the mix. Yeah, and, I mean, and other than that, I'm not because going because you know, we've talked about is predicting anything with Zach Evans is a fool's errand.
1: Going yeah. to visit him last Tuesday was a total shot in the dark. Getting him up here and, and, and getting him on a visit was you know, you know, a better better version of that. But I mean, like, but once you put your best foot forward. He again had a good time, and you know, you're right. Predicting what this kid's gonna do is like you know, predicting you know what the weather's gonna be like tomorrow in Knoxville. You can't do it, um, but you know, I, I do think Tennessee has got a much better shot than they ever stood a week ago, and uh, you know, I, I think they've got a real fighting chance here to, to land the kid.
0: Well, I don't disagree with. I mean, I agree with you 100%. That that look, once you get him on campus, all bets are off. But they got him on campus and had it and. From everything you've told me, I haven't talked to him. But everything you've told me, he, he had a good he had a good you know, visit here, and well, you it, know, it's,
2: th- it's also just a matter of of I mean the way this the way this particular recruitment is going. It's also just a matter of you're only fighting so many schools now. You know, for a lot of these five stars, you, you're trying to fight everybody. Well, a And M's out. Florida didn't get them so Florida's out. He didn't. He decided to come to Tennessee over Florida State. So they're out. So they're out. We'll see what happens with Georgia. Georgia hosted uh, the Dewan Edwards four star Dewan Edwards, whatever that from his Moultrie. Name is, from Moultrie this past and week, Kirby's and Kirby's going
1: into home with him this week. With,
2: with and Moultrie. I've you
1: know, and I've seen some of the the Georgia media start to kind of you know put out that you know maybe he was ahead of Zach on the board there for a while and things like that. I mean, there's some spin there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right. no doubt. I mean. So, at the end of the day, you know, Tennessee ha- has positioned themselves quite well, you know, to use a, to use a, a football analogy, you ain't got to score a touchdown, you just can't give up a touchdown. So, in other words, just, you know, sometimes defense right now is the best course of action, not being on the offense. Oh man,
3: but don't you think it's just a tremendous wild card that the kid's not going to be able to sign? Like, yeah. Even, even so if that's... you do get him committed, but, I mean, you're still going to be white-knuckling it all the way until... Yeah, you know, mini term.
1: Yeah, I think if if he if if he decides to play in this league, I think that that he's probably going to be pretty solid to that school. the 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 potential hiccup out there would be a team that's not in the SEC, in my opinion.
0: I wonder if then this is a crazy. Crazy deal because you're right. I mean, we talked about it on the last podcast. You had it right. I've talked to multiple people and everything else. He cannot sign, he could sign scholarship papers only. He cannot sign another national letter, as you, you both of you said, Jesse, you and Austin noted last week on the podcast. Could you get him into one of those? Because he's not in school, right? That's correct. He so, is not a, so could not, you get graduated. him into like a back half a semester, one hour PE class and get him on campus? Wouldn't be a full time student but because you get him here say, right after spring well, break. You, need,
1: you don't have to be a full time student. You just have to be doing something, right? Right. I'm just wondering if
0: you can't. Now I don't know that it would lock him in because he wouldn't be a full time dude. But I just wonder if you could get him on your campus moved up for here. and get him moved up here. Start working
3: out. Find him some take independent a, study course. Take, take
0: an online <laughs> sure. course and take like walking or whatever. I mean, everybody had one of those I mean, one his hour. Clock would Did
3: you have one of those? I one never hour? took walking.
0: Bowling? You didn't take badminton. I, I did bowling. I did not take walking. But you no. took one of the one-hour. Oh classes, yeah. Right? Why?
3: Who didn't? I mean. So why not? I Man, his clock would start even if he was a part-time student.
0: Yeah, but it's not going to affect his. No, career. I know.
3: But I'm saying it would affect him transferring.
0: One would think. Now I don't know how that works. I mean, because this is an unusual circumstance for a midterm guy to be sitting at the house, not able to lock himself in and be bound by a national letter. You're well, trying to
2: the, the, get to,
1: the, the, to this get to whole way deal. First. Is Just when you thought deal. Jay Hardy was odd, there's <laughs> this. no.
2: I mean, this 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 is. There's no doubt. the Zach Evans' recruitment saga, I think, has been one of the more bizarre ones in the last several years. Certainly, since I've you know really dove in to, to, to covering recruiting stuff. The out of you know to really even go on a macro level here. What's also kind of interesting with all this is is the potential dominoes that may happen with all these running back coaches potentially switching. You know jobs, and I know we're going to continue to talk recruiting. Well, we'll just go ahead, I, jump into yeah, it so there's, so, there's, so, there's, so there's obviously the Jay Graham rumors. Likely, AP if he leaves A and M, yeah. The most likely destination is that Jay comes home and comes to Tennessee. Then there's the rumors that Del McGee may be leaving Georgia and joining joining Coley at A and M with Tommy Robinson potentially leaving LSU to go to UG, I mean that is some crazy musical chairs where all the coaches that we just named were guys that have had a significant interest and part in recruiting Zach Evans. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy.
0: And and, and back to what you were saying. to four different schools. I'm sure Austin that that Zach Evans was given some kind of direction that you're going to go with the running backs job. And for Tennessee I mean, if, if Tommy Robinson is rumored to Georgia, that, that may not help Georgia's case, and Georgia may be out for Evans anyway, but that may make it more difficult for Georgia because at one point LSU was involved with Evans with Tommy Robinson, and then all of a sudden that stopped or that ceased, right? Yeah, yeah correct. I don't know why, but, but what I'm saying is their relationship, they went opposite directions and he eliminated LSU.
1: Yes, when, now, in, when a lot of people thought he was going to head to LSU. Right. Um, in my opinion, I think you know the way this thing goes. As far as staff wise, is you know I don't remember who was posted on the board. I'm one liked, away, I, by the I, way, boys. I, I like. You're right. Um, <laughs> I like to the. Uh,
2: I, but I, I'm you think sorry. you're going to make it? I, 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 hey, I got a week. Well, I got you a got week. You had a
1: much better shot to make it with one to go than you have with two. To <laughs> I know. So uh, so I got a
2: week. But we knew those interviews were out there, so I got a week. That's right. Um, <laughs>
1: Go you know, ahead. The um, poster on the board mentioned The posts on the board kinda outlined something that I've been, you know, going with for about two weeks mentally. I just you know, time and place to put this kind of thing out there. Well I mean Kevin Shearer sure had, yeah, sure had not left. Kevin Shearer had not left. Which on is staff. You know, which is which is Niedermeyer goes to linebackers, as Jeremy has pointed out every time he's met with the media and talked about Brian Niedermeyer. He can coach, our he can coach everything. I mean, he can coach defense, he can coach offense. Anyway, So, um, I can't wait to see the post on the board about how terrible my pro impersonation is. So, um, he moves the linebackers. Joe Oshavet becomes the tight ends coach. And, And then they hire either the best available. You know, you talk about Tommy Robinson. If he's available for Georgia, maybe he's available here. Or the most likely is Jay Graham.
0: Jay Graham, no offense to Tommy makes Robinson, the mo- makes, but he the makes the most, the most sense.
1: sense. He's coached with three guys on the staff before. He's been a special teams coordinator for five years. He can recruit the Carolinas, which is where Tennessee's trying to be a big player in 2021. He recruited the Carolinas last week for Texas A&M. Um, you know, it just, in my opinion, he makes the most sense.
2: And the math also but, adds up. Yeah, in in, in this and hypothetical scenario, because
1: the money adds up. That's because, what I'm saying. That's yeah, because share comes off the board at seven hundred and five thousand, you can get Joe Asavet for two, two fifteen, two fifty at most.
2: I would say. Th- I mean, I think he's going. I think he would get if if you promote Joe Asavet, you're giving him the Terry Fair contract, which is
1: two fifty, or yeah. the Brian oh, the Niedermeyer, the same thing. which is two hundred. Which is a, yeah, which is you yeah, know, this is
2: your first real shot.
1: Yeah. So I mean, like again, that's saving five hundred thousand, which means you can. You know, go out and you know, Jay was making five fifty at Texas A and M, slated to make I think five seventy five next year. Um, I think you can get Jay for. I've said this. I said this on Nashville radio last week. I think you can get Jay for less than that. I, I think I think Jay, um, you know, likes the idea of coming home. But at the end of the day, you know, you know, a year ago he wanted a title, and you know, Tennessee did not have a title to offer, so he chose to go back to A and M for the title and quote more responsibility I'm just not sure the more responsibility ever played out that way.
0: The other thing too with Jay that intrigues me more than Tommy more than a guy like Tommy Robinson and it may be Tommy Robinson if he is Tommy Robinson's not a bad hire but Rob Jay knows what what it's like to recruit to get a recruit to come here yeah he was here on staff for a year but he's a guy who was recruited by Tennessee he understands the footprint Tennessee Deals with in recruiting, whereas a guy like Tommy Robinson's recruited the West Coast, okay, at a big name school, Southern Gallup, and now he's recruiting, you know, Houston for LSU. Yeah, just, no, no offense, I, I think I could go in and have some success.
3: It's not like there. going over to the Carolinas and recruiting against Clemson or going to Atlanta and recruiting against everybody. Well, in the it doesn't.
2: And again, the Tommy Robinson one makes less sense for Tennessee from a math perspective than it does if we're hypothetically saying these other dominoes play out. McGee's making, I think, 600 at Georgia. Robinson's making around 600 or north of 600 at LSU. So if you're saying that these Tennessee would have to really pony up to get a guy like that, whereas Jay – is making a little bit less than them. The idea of coming home, he may be more willing to take a contract that's a little bit more palatable for what Pruitt wants to do in terms of kind of spreading out uh, his salary pool. All right, go ahead.
3: I was just going to say. I mean, I, I, you know, he was. I think the fact that he was here before. I mean, the fact that he played here and you know has all that experience is one thing. The fact that he was here in a professional capacity, even on even on a lame duck staff. I mean, I think that really is a you know a point in his favor. I mean, because. There are some unique challenges to recruit here, you know, especially when you're considering the kind of schools you're expected to compete against.
0: All right, I would, would be remiss if I didn't ask this question to all of you guys because this has been thrown at me. Is there something funky going on at Georgia if Dale Mcgee leaves to, to go to A and M? Look, the, the, the Coley thing, I think clearly. Kirby Smart was wanting to make a move offensively, and, and yeah, get and he his got he, he got
1: butthurt, and 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 I don't blame the guy. I mean, like you get demoted, and you know, I mean, there's all the 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 notion that you know Kirby didn't even tell him, and he found out via the radio and all that. I mean that, and I take that one off the board because well, I mean, and I, mean, you I know, think
0: Kirby upgraded. I mean, I think from a play caller standpoint, I, I mean, I Todd Munkin's a better yeah. yeah, and
2: and and Coley also almost left for A and M three years ago. That's I mean, right. He's he, close with what, Jimbo. He's what? been on the staff with Jimbo. The McGee thing and the and the personnel guy they lost. The, the, the fact is, is that Jimbo has been given a just insane amount of money for his salary pool, and they're going all in. I mean, the the, get, the miscue guy I think got uh, something like a three hundred thousand dollar raise or something crazy. You know, to be I mean, that's that's bananas. Uh, so, you know, I, I just think that with the, with the way these contracts and money is, that's what it is, and you're going to see these chess pieces move all over the board with all these different programs. Jimbo's
0: spending that uh, ESPN TV money before long before that check. Well, now, he, AM's he, got more money than they know what to Well do and, with. and
2: and he has he has so much carte blanche because he's got that seventy five million dollar parachute behind him. You know, I mean, he that so it they, it, gotta it, give him they much got got to give him what he wants because they've already committed the amount of funds to say, hey, go win.
1: To, to, to answer the question, if, if Dell McGee were to leave, um, whether they get Tommy Robinson or not, I do think it's a weird look. You know, you're, you're a program that's won ten games and, and, and played for the national title three years ago and been in the New Year's Six the last two years. You naturally have all these guys go pro. K transfers. The, the player personnel guy leaves, which, I mean, even if you're talking about a big raise, that's fine. But, I mean, it, it's still an awkward look. I don't think the ship's sinking, you know. I, you know, they're, they're still going to be a, a, the team. You know, if, if it's not them, it'll be Florida. But one of the two teams picked to, to go to Atlanta come this fall. Um, it, it, does, but, it doesn't but, look great, but it doesn't look. It does. It looks weird. I, I do agree with that. The 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 the, op, the, the to steal of Jesse's word optics of it looks just a bit funky.
3: I mean, it doesn't look like a program that's poised to compete for national championships for years upon years. I mean,
0: yeah. I mean, it's, it's different than than then Saban turning over five
3: staff. Yeah, Yeah, because two guys got head coaching jobs. Or or because – Or Saban just fired (laughs) them.
0: Yeah, or – yeah, because he wanted to to get rid of – and look, I mean, I think Kirby may have wanted – look,
2: if you're not making changes, you know – I just think this is the business. I mean, we weren't sitting here even – I mean, we thought Tennessee coming off Pruitt's first season made a bunch of changes. Well, but they did. But it, I think the thing you look that at your staff. I think you look at your staff every year and you say, "Where do we need to upgrade? How can we not get stale?" Right, and I think it, I think for Georgia,
0: offensively, at the offensive coordinator position, much the same way Jeremy Pruitt got a mulligan after year one. one. Kirby, not after year one, but after year one with Coley, with Coley is saying, "Hey, I need a mulligan oh, here for and, sure." And, and look, he made a good trade because Todd Munkin's a much better offensive play caller, you know, with, with a better pedigree of doing that. Much the same way, Tyson Helton went on and had a good year at Western this year, but Jim Cheney was an upgrade there. Oh, but, with, but, without any question. And the McGee thing's a little bit different because he's making good money. He's kind of been around Georgia a little bit. That that one surprises me. That. I mean, unless he's just getting bananas money at A&M after making really bananas money at, at Georgia, Start hard to see him getting a $300,000 pay raise to go there, but you never know, if that
2: happens. If that happens, yeah, I, I, have, I have no have no. And it may not there. happen. The only thing, I, 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 as we sit here in late January, I guarantee there's going to be articles that come out in the spring, much like stuff that was written here, stuff that's been written elsewhere, uh, you know, that when you bring in some other veteran voices around you about, you know growing into that head coaching role because now Georgia, he's got a couple ex-head coaches on his staff. You know, how, how does that, you know, allow Kirby to grow as a head coach? I... Unequivocally, someone's going to write that piece because because I mean, you, for them to lose Pittman and get Luke so quickly, and then to you know upgrade with with and I I would not be surprised if you see that. Well, that I sort think
0: of, the, I think the first piece you because we
2: because we, we all talked about how beneficial it was for Cheney, you know, sure. to come here a year and ago, I, and, and I think
0: of, I think if you look at how Jeremy Pruitt managed his team in year two versus year one it was better. Was that all the Cheney effect? I don't want to say that, but this is also the same head coach. A lot of natural growth for sure. After, you know, the the same head coach seven months on the job before he went into his first camp said, well, I mean, mean, I'd call the plays if I could on offense. Then he went a year later and he's like not on the offensive practice field. Like, Jim Cheney, you're the head coach of the offense. For sure. It's completely yours, which I think probably Kirby's doing. Two articles are going to come out. The article you're talking about, the one that's going to come out before that, Is what's wrong with Kirby Smart? There's going to be somebody write the you know people jumping the chip type deal with Kirby Smart and all that stuff, and and then there'll be the follow up articles about uh, the growth of Kirby and all that stuff. All right, that's a whole you know diatribe to get on there. Let's go back to recruiting a little bit. All right, Callwell, what's the story there? Going to South Carolina this weekend, we believe.
1: Yeah, I mean you know feels like Gamecocks. It it feels like Gamecocks to me Um, now. you know, I, the kid don't talk. So I mean, no, he does But just when you read the tea leaves of everything, it's hard not to think South Carolina's not going to be the pick here. Uh-huh. But he, you know, after being an unofficial visitor to South Carolina last weekend, he did come to Tennessee this weekend and at least give them a listen. So you know, to me, there's there's a puncher's shot, but it just feels gamecock. All
0: right, let's go Wideman next.
1: I, I think Tennessee's in a good spot there. You know, I don't. He going to the West Coast this week to visit? No, he did last week. Last week was yeah, Ole Miss. Yeah, he's going Old Miss this weekend. Miss this weekend. Okay. I, that one, that one just feels like Tennessee or Florida State to me. It, it just does I Haven't talked to the kid last week. Um, you know, Florida State's going to try to get him back up there unofficially between now and this weekend. If that happens, then you know, that, to me, that would be a huge eye-opening deal, you know, for where he's probably going. To me, but if he doesn't, then I think Tennessee's got a real shot here. Um, you know, to, to land him, and uh, you, know, you have to survive the old Miss visit, but I think they've positioned themselves really well.
0: And Tennessee will be in there later, mid to late week. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, sure that's exactly.
3: a potential huge get, is it not? I mean, for the needs in this class and to have him just kind of fall in your lap in, in January.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, he, you know, he visited Florida State. I think his mistake was visiting Florida State back in December before, before. Willie was, was hired. And or then, Willie was
0: gone, Willie was or, sorry, fired. Sorry,
1: Willie was fired before they hired Mike Norvell. And then, you know, he ends up not signing there, you know. um, And that was the blessing for Tennessee because then they were able to get him up here for January. Now, granted, he's a Florida kid. He can go back over there unofficially and it wouldn't be too far. Um, But that that one, if he don't make it back to Tallahassee, I feel like Tennessee may, may get the. The pick there.
0: Yeah, could be, in, could, tennis, could be Tennessee and Ole Miss this last weekend, big, with Weidman going up there and with Zach Evans going yeah. up, maybe going there as well. Now, we'll see where Evans goes. Well, Evans' already been there, I'm sorry, yeah. but Evans' been in the end. Could be Tennessee and Ole Miss here in the final in the final week, battling head to head with a couple of guys. D Beckwith, got to gotta address the D Beckwith situation. <laughs> Everybody sees the tweets, every kid does this, all the pictures of the official visit. I don't get all caught up into that, but we know. He does have a little bit of an affection for Florida, naturally. What what do we think Tennessee is with that? Even though they've still got an in home, big in home with Jeremy Pruitt at some point. This yeah, time.
1: he's visit, Florida's going in home later tonight, and then Tennessee's going to go in after that. So, that's,
0: and that's a good setup set up for Tennessee.
1: Um, you know, I know you know everybody keeps saying, and the kid keeps saying Tennessee or the Florida leads, but he's he did not come in on his visit. I do know that for a fact. So, I mean, like you know. Um,
2: now I will say hypothetically, why would you at this point?
1: Yeah, but a lot of kids leave there and tell people, "Oh yeah, I'm in," you know. And just, I'm not saying p- commit publicly. I'm okay, talking about commit yeah, privately. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Why would you commit publicly? Yeah, yeah that would be silly at this point. Um, I, I I still think Tennessee's in a pretty good spot there. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's by, by any stretch of the means done. I don't think D knows at this point, but I think again when you look at all the 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 kind of you know, tea leaves to this thing. More tea leaves read Tennessee than they do Florida. But, again, the one tea leaf that, that is, to me, the, maybe the biggest um, individual tea leaf is the fact that he does have that affection, that kind of Florida's like the shiny object, you know.
0: Well, and, I, and I'm sure he got some of the answers he was wanting to wanting to hear about how Florida's gonna use him offensively. Yeah, Because there was a big unknown by him going into that visit um, Felt like that maybe Florida didn't have as as detailed of a plan for him offensively as Tennessee has shown. Sounds like he got some of those details over the weekend.
1: Yeah, I mean, and you know, why would they not? Why would right. you? You That's know, what why they you should you do if you're going to you recruit. Know, um, you know, of course, we knew the academic stuff, which I think was a concern that he hadn't really been placed. You know. But we—that's what official visits are for. Right, he he went there for game
0: day, so he didn't get to see all the academic people. That's not uncommon. He, you know, he'd just been up here so many times; he met with all those people before. So you knew that was going to happen. I still wonder if distance from home at the end of the day doesn't carry a huge weight in this one.
1: I agree. The the fact that Dad did not go to Gainesville um, was, was you know, a a good sign. Just because, I mean. Didn't he wanted come to, you wanted here either, uh, correct? Yeah. To me, you it <laughs> to be apples to apples, though. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, if he had went to Gainesville after not coming here, then to me, then you're apples to oranges, and and, so.
2: the, and the tie to the fact that you know Cameron's coming here. I mean, that that that's that's gonna that's that's a chip that Tennessee has, you know, in in its pocket.
1: I, I know, and, and he you know he's told me, well, I mean, you know, we've played, we've not played because they don't play on the same high school team, right? You know, so he's like, you know, we've not played together the last few years, so that's not as big of a deal as everybody's letting on, but you know. Are they really going to separate when they have a chance to play together? You know, or even well,
2: it, it's just it's it's it could be the the thing that if it's forty nine forty nine, that's what you know tips the scale. Right. Distance it, it, from home, and the brother's yeah, going to be there. Might it be enough gives to push you that last the the, that last little pushover. I there. think
0: that one is going to be a coin flip up till the end. Yeah, I, I agree I, with that. I, I, I don't
2: I, think
1: anybody's going to know because the kid don't talk. Yeah, the kid, I, the kid the kid the kid seemed like he's totally aloof to a lot of what's going on. Yeah,
0: I think that one's all the way to a coin flip at the end. All right, Lad McConkey's the is this name that everybody's talked about from North Georgia. Kirby Smart's supposed to go in to see him this week. Grip fan. Supposed to visit Georgia officially. They've offered him. Where's Georgia going to be at numbers-wise there? He was up here for an unofficial to Tennessee on Sunday. Um, I think Tennessee's got interest there. I don't think Tennessee's ready to – I'm not sure Tennessee's ready to drop a, a national letter of intent to him to sign um, unless, you know, a bunch of stuff falls
2: yeah, I think, Awkwardly I mean, for Tennessee. Well, I mean, or badly for Tennessee. Yeah, well, I mean, Tennessee has the two receivers they would like. Or it's either Weidman or Caldwell. Right. And that's that. those are the priorities
0: right now. Not to say they don't have some interest in McConkie being on their roster, but I'm not sure in terms of him being a and signing e- day guy. And
1: even Beckwith. Beckwith, they're recruiting as a receiver. Florida's the one recruiting him as a tight end. Tennessee right. likes him as a receiver that can – Play, some a, tight end. play a little tight end, but, but it can also be in the backfield and, you know, maybe yeah, even take like, a carry.
2: Kind of like a Swiss Army knife, yeah. you know, and we'll offensive see, weapon.
0: We'll see what kind of conversations Tennessee has with McConkie this week following what he learned uh, in visiting with the coaches up here on Sunday um, and see if anything else kind of develops or transpires with that one, moving forward in terms of offering him an official visit, or a coach going in the home to see, which is which is not take place. Tennessee's been by the school, but they've not had an in-home home. visit with, with the kid, uh, to note that as well. So that's kind of an update on the recruiting board, sort of where things are. Tennessee's heavily involved in a bunch of 2021s. We've had stories up uh, on those guys in 2022s, and Tennessee picks up a, a commitment over the weekend Good looking kid, too. Isaac watch, Washington. Yeah, and a kid you guys said was on commitment watch. Um, nice get for Tennessee. Good looking kid, and and in, in, in an area that's good for Tennessee to go recruit, right?
1: One hundred percent with that one. You know, the, the North Carolina's going to be big for this twenty twenty one class, and you know, to get off to a good start in that state, to me only you know helps thing because he's he's got a real bubbly personality. You know, when you, I, I thought the kid would be real shy, um, but he's not. He's very outgoing. So you know. I think that's that's a feather in Tennessee's cap because he knows the two kids over there, um, you know, talking about Dillsworth and then Ritzy. And, uh, you know, I, I think that only helps, you know, that Tennessee's, you know, got him in the boat early because I think he'll legitimately – Work the Twitter, work the phones, and 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 really help them recruit.
2: Well, and they got a quality player who I who I think if you watch his film I mean, he he's he's a kind of a classic guy whose offer list outranks his, his current ranking. Yes. And and he's likely to to get a bump at some point. Um, but I mean, he legitimately had SEC offers from a bunch of the top schools, and Tennessee did a nice job getting in early, uh, hosting them on campus multiple times, and like I mean, again it, it was. AP had kind of teased a week ago. The expectation was, if it was a good visit with Mama this weekend, that she was going to kind of give them the thumbs up, and that's what happened on Saturday. So Tennessee got a big commitment, and that you know they need you know with with the new recruiting calendar, you kind of need some dominoes to fall a little bit earlier since it's the dead period in February. So to kind of go ahead and get. Uh, one big fish on the board, I think, is good. Is a good is good good news for the Vols.
0: Yeah, big weekend for Tennessee this weekend with some unofficial visits, and then it goes silent. <laughs> it's going to be a spring practice before you get a whole lot going on uh, with that. So uh, we'll continue to have plenty of coverage from those visitors uh, this weekend, from the visitors this past weekend, and, and other things as well. Let's jump to basketball quickly. Tennessee takes on Texas A and M, but before we get to that, obviously, uh, the basketball world is. Uh, uh, been reeling from the the, the tragic loss of, of Kobe Bryant and, and um, just a just a horrible story—the the loss of Kobe Bryant and his daughter. Rob, I wanted to ask you: Did, did you see him play in, in AAU basketball? No, I did not. I didn't know if you ever got a chance. To Slightly
3: before my time. Slightly before your
0: time. Just just thoughts on kind of just on why I think
3: watching him. I think for me, the biggest take. I mean, I mean, kind of the biggest thing for me is, and me and Austin talked a little bit about this on the TV show on Sunday. I mean, the way he transcended just basketball and just what a um, what an icon he was for younger players. I mean, like, he's somebody that all these kids today, you know, that are you know, not only just, like, Kevin Durant's age, but, you know, Jordan Bowden's age. I mean, they all, I mean, he's he's more than just, like, an all-star that they might have had to put. I mean, he's somebody they wanted to emulate, that they, they'd learn from. And, um, like, great example today, Rick was asked about it in his Monday press conference, and he said that, you know, he's a... That Kobe Bryant was a guy that you know he would bring Kevin Durant into, into his office and they would watch tape of Kobe Bryant. And Rick would be like, "You need to, you know, watch watch this. Watch how he does this. You need to add this to his game." And I mean, there's not a lot of people out there that are kind of like templates. I think that you know somebody like Rick Barnes. I mean, Rick Barnes knew he had something special in Kevin Durant, and he you know looked at Kobe Bryant as somebody that you know Kevin Durant was on the same level with, and and you know took took the time to you know, kind of point these things out to Kevin, what made Kobe special, the same things you could do. And and just, you know, I, like I said, the biggest thing to me is he's somebody that transcended basketball and was part of pop culture.
0: Yeah, I think for me the thing that, of course, you know, from my age standpoint, it was it was Michael Jordan. Sure. And, it, and then he was, Kobe was the guy who took the mantle. But the difference for me, I mean, Kobe did it at such a young age. You know, so for for those guys – he wasn't that far different in age to some of those guys that you're talking about in terms of emulating, you know what I mean? I mean somebody was emulating him and they were two years younger than him or three years younger than him and he had such an impact early you know as such a youngster in the NBA. I mean you know when you talk about one-and-dones this was a guy who was you know not a one-and-done obviously he could go straight to high school but he was different than Kevin Garnett. Kevin Garnett went to Minnesota and nobody saw really saw him until until years later, really, when he got to Boston is, is when you saw a lot of Kevin Garnett. Here is Kobe Bryant going to one of the two biggest franchises, three biggest franchises in the NBA, handles himself, and is successful on and off the court doing that as an 18
2: year old. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of layers to, the, to this story. I th- I do think that yesterday, one of the most fascinating things about how everything unfolded after the news came out is that, for all of his accomplishments, for all of uh, his dunks, his championship rings, um, the fact he had won an Oscar, you know, and during his post-career, the the videos that gained the most traction and went viral were all were him as a dad. And, and him just being a father to both his daughter that passed away and to his other kids. And I, I think that just kind of speaks to his evolution and growth of some of his off-field stuff that he did kind of have to, to, to overcome uh, and kind of what his second act was going to look like. In terms of him as a player, I mean, my relationship, I, had a, I, I've, I got to see him play once uh, going to a Hawks game, one of my first jerseys as a kid. I didn't even care about the Lakers, but I liked Kobe. You know, I had a, I had a number eight Kobe jersey. Um, I used to read about him, you know, in Sports Illustrated for kids and then in Sports Illustrated. And so uh, he was a guy I loved. And to Rob's point about these guys, you know, idolizing him, he – and I think what's so devastating about this and why the outpouring has been so uh, – you know, just incredible and, and phenomenal to kind of really take in and digest is that he's been the first athlete that I can really think of off the top of my head that in the modern culture in our lifetime where we have seen his entire life from start to finish and the different bridges that he crossed in terms of he was the next generation after Jordan but he played against Jordan and then he handed the baton to LeBron. LeBron, but he played with LeBron. Right. He played against LeBron. And and then you got high school kids and these guys like John Morant and whatever that have been wearing his shoes even years after he stopped playing. And so for him to literally resonate with all three of these different generations, there's very few athletes like that in history, much less that are living today. And, and that's what, again, makes it so devastating that we didn't really get to see – whatever his next chapter was going to be with the 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 show that he's doing detail on espn or making the films and whatnot
1: yeah for me it's you know being the father of two girls it just it just sucks i mean like you know i, I think I, it just I, the last 24 hours i was, it, you know as much as it you know i hate that toby's gone i i you know I, I hate it more his daughter's gone i hate it even worse that like you know his wife and the other three daughters are sitting there today just I mean you know I mean like they're just left behind I mean like their world's shattered and I mean that just and, and I get it. It, it listen the one thing I do want to say is you know it, is for everybody's going we'll to talk about Kobe but there are other people that died in that, sure. in that helicopter and that and that you know that's more tragic than anything else is that you know it's the no lives more, more important than the other um, but everybody's going we'll to talk about Kobe and uh, you know it just. He's right, I mean, he. you know, you and I talked about this yesterday. You, you know, you talked about, you know, you grew up with Jordan. You know, Jordan, I was eight when Jordan won his first title. I was 15 when he won his last. And then Kobe started winning them just a few years later. So, like, you know, I was, you know, a senior year in high school into college when Kobe was winning all his titles. So, you know, for me, I, I kind of got to watch it all, you know, because I remember going and watching Jordan play against the Bullets here at Thompson Bowling Arena back was it in 89, 90, whatever it was, you know. um you know, all the way through, you know, the glory years of that, and then the glory years of, of the Lakers with with Kobe, and I mean, he he did kind of just touch everybody, and did it in in a way that like, you know, I mean like, Magic had this kind of infectious personality, like with the big smile when he walked in a room, and it just, Kobe was different. He was more like an aura, you know, guys people wanted to follow him. It wasn't like it, you know, it wasn't like this, you know. Shining personality; it was just kind of an aura around him. Well, there was a presence. I mean, there's no question; it was a presence, and and
0: how he handled himself all, on and off the court. He was not perfect off the court, but he certainly did what he could to redeem himself. And uh, by all accounts, was a good dad. And uh, obviously, you know, thoughts and prayers are for for everyone involved in, in what was just a a terrible tragedy on Sunday. All right, let, let's get back to basketball. Um, Tennessee takes on. Uh, Texas A&M, Rob, in a must-win basketball game for this team after a good showing against Kansas. I know they didn't go out there to show; they went out there to win. But but they handled themselves in that environment um, better than I expected them to to, to play, and gave themselves a chance. Totally.
3: I mean, Rick Barnes didn't look at it like this because I mean he's all about winning; he doesn't you know care about you know, consolation prize. I thought it was the best game they played all year, and I don't really know that it's close. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean. Just, but at the same time, talking with Rick on Monday, you know, I kind of asked him if that was not the best game they played all year, and he kind of, yeah, semi-conceded it, but then he, you know, immediately segued into it was real easy to flip on the tape and show them four defensive possessions where they drop the ball. If you do what you're supposed to do, that's eight fewer points they get when we win the game. I mean, that's how he's thinking. And, you know, same thing on offense. You know, there's three possessions where we've missed three wide open guys, blah, blah, blah. So... But for me, for where this team's at for, for you know less than two weeks ago, going to Georgia and just absolutely laying an egg against a team that's 1-5 in, in the SEC, I, I think that was a turning point for this team. And I think they've played better, way better since then. I, if they play like they played against Kansas on Saturday, they'll make the NCAA tournament. They, and they can they sweep do, this week. Can, can they do that 12 more times? I don't know. Right. But if they do play at that level for the next 12 games, don't make them don't make the assembly tournament.
0: And it starts with this Texas Yeah, AMA. This Texas it
3: should be a laydown. I mean they're bad. I mean they're three and they've got three SEC wins, but they're the lowest scoring team in the SEC. They shoot the worst from three, they shoot the worst overall. And for a Tennessee team that is not only the best in the SEC in scoring defense and physical percentage defense, but top twenty nationally in both those, this is one that you should you should handle.
0: What is, what is it about this team that's finding itself uh, offensively? Is it just the transition stuff? Is it playing inside-out?
3: I think it's playing inside-out. Do you I mean, think that's the I think key? it's easy. It, playing inside-out and not jacking up threes with reckless abandon. I mean, I think Rick took that Georgia game tape and just absolutely beat his team over the head with it for, for three days. And they've looked different on offense since then. They've been, they chucked 26 threes against Georgia. I mean, they've not come close. I mean, they've not – Shot more than 15, I'm going to say 15 in the last three games. I mean, in, in any of the last three games, uh, Fulkerson takes two shots against Georgia. And I think he was a little sick that night, but still, he took two shots. Since then, he's been double digits three straight games. Set his career high with 18 points against Ole Miss the other night. He's been a totally different player. I mean, I think, think – Pons has shown growth. Pons was the best player on the court on Saturday, I thought. I mean, I know Azabuke was good. Dotson was really good. But, I mean, phew, East Pons was, was a load. And, I mean, Tennessee goes to Kansas, lose by six. They only had four players hit a shot. That's that's, I mean, that's incredible. They got not a they got one point off the bench. Jalen Johnson had a free throw. Josiah James just no shot, no shot, no shot.
0: He's got to play. He's got to play with contact better around the rim. He's, to me, I mean, he's got to, he's got to embrace the contact. I mean, Rick wasn't
3: shy about calling him out on Monday. Not surprisingly, but oh for six, six turnovers. I mean, if you get anything almost from that position, that's a positive. view, I mean, you might go in there and steal that one. So,
0: don't you think he has to play more physical oh for a yeah. guy who's got
3: his size? Totally. I remember saying I mean, he's he's best-looking kid on the team. But maybe Eves, right. I guess, is, is put together a little bit. I mean, but yeah, he's got to be able to bully some people, and he he just doesn't play that way. Right. But um, last positive takeaway: I thought Jordan Bowden was spectacular in that second half. That's as good as he's looked in a Tennessee uniform. I thought I thought it's the best he's done as far as answering the bell, knowing that his team needs him to be really good, really productive. And he, I mean, he he accepted that burden against a very tough team. 19 points in the second half, I mean, it, that was as good as I've seen him play.
0: Yeah, I thought he played really well. The question is, can this team consistently now, do that's anything the question. I, mean, I don't think
3: you can guarantee anything, not with what we've seen. But these last three games, small sample size, but I mean, they look like a different team. Is, is, is
0: Eve Ponds going to have a decision to make at the end of the year? I don't
3: think he's going to have a decision to make at the end of this year, but he's certainly put himself on the radar.
0: I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean,
3: somebody might take him the second round, maybe. But he's just, to me, he's just not a no-brainer. He's too, just, he's all, he's too much all over the board.
0: But you got 12 games to find some consistency. I mean, I mean, if he does
3: that a couple more times, yeah, especially like against Kentucky or Auburn, then yeah, he might have some. I, I would say, and and I've heard this from some people around the program. I think just as much as the NBA, he's the type of guy that you know, since he's from Europe somebody over in you know in the euro league might you know make him a very lucrative offer after his junior year here
0: the question i got with him at the next i mean look moving him to the four has been a perfect fit for him we talked about that back in the spring that it would sure. you know playing around the basket's much better for him than facing the basket 20 feet away can he can he play that way at the next level i think
3: man he's so strong and so athletic i mean i still think he can guard two or three positions and he's made so much so much strides on offense. I mean, Jesse, you know, I mean, he's he's turned into a guy that you you could stick in the corner on offense the way that they play yeah. up there, and and he could you know hit that that corner three, you know, thirty three, thirty four percent of the time. And just the fact that and
2: he, the way the NBA's gone now too is that basically it, there's not even really a three or four. It's just are you a are you a swingman? You know, are you you know? It, and he'll be able to
3: guard wing. And he's not going to be able to guard, you know. So. <laughs> I mean, like uh, Carl Towns in the post probably. But, no, uh, who, but, but, how but Carl many of those Towns are? is playing five. Yeah. You know? how many of those guys are there? Right, you know, there's not Towns that. is playing the five. I mean, I mean he, he's he, going he, to be able to guard a lot of people.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, I think it's got to be more consistent, but it's pretty amazing. Here's a guy who, you know, his last run in Europe over the back over the summer, he didn't score. He averaged
3: less than two points a game. He was a
0: non-offensive factor. And then, as you mentioned, he goes to Lawrence, Kansas, and arguably is the best player on the court for either team. Uh, and a Saturday afternoon game televised on, on national television. Uh, pretty, pretty remarkable turnaround for him as he's found his way offensively. So plenty of basketball coverage coming up. obviously a big weekend for our big week for Tennessee. Big week for Tennessee football and recruiting as it's the last week, coaches can be on the road. We'll continue to follow the running back coach search as well. continue to bring you updates on the 2021s and 2022s out there uh, as we get more information on those guys. That's gonna do it for this edition of the com podcast for. Austin Price, Jesse Simonton, and Rob Lewis. I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great Tuesday, everybody.